Don't know if you know this about me, but I really like a good cup of coffee. It's, uh, especially in the morning, first thing in the morning. Gets me thinking, gets me moving. Uh, probably shouldn't admit this, but I find it difficult to concentrate to pray until after that first cup of good coffee. Do you think less of me now? That's okay. If you do. Now, the quality of coffee is very important to me, right? It can't just be any cup of coffee. Um, you know, I have to admit that Starbucks, I really don't like that much. I, I've been told... <laughs> throw some Starbucks hate. Applause. I've been told that they burn their beans for consistency. It seems like you can taste that. So I don't really like them a whole lot. However, if I could brag on some uh, consistory members, Ryan and Nora Faircloth, did you know they have started their own little coffee business? It's portable and it's called Refill. In fact, I brought a little, this is product placement here. So, uh, they have this little blue trailer, and every once in a while, they'll bring it for the preschool and the, and the moms and so forth. And I have to say, I'm not biased at all, but their, their coffee, uh, it's what I would call kingdom coffee. It is... <laughs> the flavor there is phenomenal. Now... Um, well, I still do meetings at Starbucks and so forth, and I'll get their coffee. But just a few weeks ago, um, I saw that they have iced coffee. Did you know this? Yes. And so at first I thought it was an oxymoron. I'm like, no, that can't be. And so I decided to try one of their iced coffees. And I liked it. It was in the category of, uh, of kingdom coffee, I would say. In fact, this tastes pretty good. Yeah, so I, a little bit redeemed. Let's applause Starbucks now for their iced coffee. Little hit. Look at you guys are so, wow. I do want to bring up one really, really bad, kind of the opposite of kingdom coffee. Some people would call it dead coffee. You know what I'm talking about? Where you do a pot in the morning and then the coffee maker shuts off and it's later in the afternoon and you're, you need a little bit of a pickup. And so actually, Marsha Matheny will do coffee in the morning. And then I confess, I compromise my integrity in terms of coffee, sometimes in the afternoon, and I'll go get some of that old coffee from the morning, and I'll throw it in the microwave, right, just as a little pick-me-up. It's not good. It's, it's horrid. Do you know what I'm talking Some of you are desperate enough sometimes to the dead coffee there. Now, why do I bring this up? We don't know. I'm going to tell you. Did you know that Jesus uses this analogy? Well, almost. Not quite, but close enough. And he doesn't exactly use coffee. What he uses is he talks about water. And he spiritualizes this idea of hot and cold and lukewarm 
warm. In fact, to one of the churches in Revelation, uh, he says this to the church of Laodicea. We have the screen up there. If we can go to that, um, says... Jesus speaking to the church of Laodicea, he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Jesus, what he's doing is he's not actually talking about water or coffee. He's using that as a metaphor for the spiritual lives, the church of Laodicea. And the question for this morning that I'd like you to ponder that if someone were to taste your spiritual life, what would it taste like? What would the response be? Now, this is the last week of Immerse. So many of you have finished Immerse Messiah. Let's celebrate those folks that read through that. That was so much scripture to read. I don't think I've ever read so much scripture in a short amount of time. And uh, the majority of the reading was on the book of Revelation. And that is a challenging book, isn't it? To understand and get through and, and look at. And I, you might think I'm going to cop out, but I'm not going to give you an overview of the book of Revelation like I did with the book of Hebrews, okay? Well, I'll give you a short overview. Here it is. A bunch of crazy stuff happens, and then Jesus comes back, and it's okay. That's the overview of the book of Revelation, all right? So there it is. Um, but at the beginning of the book of Revelation, before he gets into all of the crazy stuff that's hard to understand, he does have a particular word for seven churches. They are real churches, real communities of faith. In fact, we have a little bit of a chart out there. One of the things that you can go do after the reading of Messiah, when uh, uh, Immerse Messiah, you can go back and you can slow read those first couple of chapters in the book of Revelation. And he gives a word, oftentimes encouraging, that he's talking about their, their life and their faith and their spiritual vitality. In almost every church, he gives a, a constructive word, a challenging word, as we just read. And then he also gives an invitation and how to remedy what you're struggling with. I know you can't read the details up there, but just so you know, for example, a few of the churches were compromising on doctrine. He says, you are allowing this individual and they're not preaching the truth. You need to address that. So he goes on. So you can read over and you can look at that personally. You can also wrestle through that as a congregation. And what I decided to do is just read over those seven churches and say, Lord, what would you like to say to SEC? Which church would you like to focus in on for us? What's a word for us? 
And um, they're challenging words. I'll just prepare you for that. It's a challenging, high truth word. And yet in the midst of that, there's always this beautiful grace and invitation from Jesus. And I actually thought we were going to look at a different church, um, but I did end up... um, hopefully being led by the Holy Spirit on the church of Laodicea. And would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. We'll be starting in verse 14. And he says this to the church. And would you listen to this, these words, again, thinking in, in, in terms of your life, your spiritual vitality. Also listen corporately. No, it's a little bit harder to do. But listen and let's ask, Lord, what do you have for us in these verses of Scripture? To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. In other words, these are the words of Jesus. He is the amen. When he says it, let it be done, it is done, as good as done. Jesus is the creator of the universe. He's the sustainer of the universe. He's the ruler of all God's creation. And he says, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, says the ruler of the universe. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. A challenging word, a strong word, but don't miss the beautiful invitation that he gives at the end. We'll walk through some of the challenge and difficulty, but then walk through the invitation. 
And I think it helps us to understand the depth of his word. The, if we understand a little bit of the context of the particular city and the church that he was speaking of. Uh, Laodicea, the city, was a wealthy commercial city in the time of Rome. It was situated on the banks of the river Lycus. And that river would, was not a strong river. It would dry up. Um, in the uh, in the summertime in particular. So they had a viaduct system that would bring in water from other cities. In fact, two other cities uh, in particular, there was Hierapolis, which was known as a city that had many hot springs like we do here in Colorado. And uh, that was like a, a destination scene of healing and restoration as people would enter and uh, soak in the hot springs. There was also another city that was close by, Colossae. And they were noted for not hot springs, but cold, refreshing, clear water. And so when the river Lycus would dry up, um, they had a viaduct system that would bring in um, both, I believe, hot and the cold water. But the problem was, is by the time it got to the city, it was lukewarm. And it wasn't just lukewarm, it, it became unhealthy and, and, many, and, and unclean and impure, even foul. And people would get sick in the summertime when they were drinking from that. That was a reality of what the city faced and Jesus takes this particular circumstance and he, at this physical reality and he says, I, I want to speak to you but from a spiritual perspective. That as I look at your church, as I look at the community of faith, I see it's lukewarm. It's neither hot nor cold. He says, that's got to change. That is not okay. I have so much better plans for you that you would step away, that either one, there's a, now I've heard this, uh, if you could take a message for me, that'd be great. <laughs> now, I, I've heard this preach where there is a uh, passion and you're, you're without passion. And sure, that could be an application. But I want us to think deeply that um, there's a number of applications within this community of faith that I would ask you to uh, think about. Would you think about that spiritual perspective of being hot or cold? What would it look like for a community of faith to be like a hot springs, a destination of people would go to and find relief. What would that look like? I do think that there is an element of passion that's there, but I'd really say that this is part of our kingdom call that it would be a community of faith that is for the people that are hurting. You know, physically, when our, our joints are sore and, and we're, we're hurt or we've been doing whatever and you, you get into a sauna or a hot spring and, you, oh, you feel that relief, what would it look like for, for folks that spiritually, that there's, a, there's a sickness, there's a hurt, 
There's a doubt. There's a struggle. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be that community of faith that people who are struggling, that are hurting, that they can come and not experience judgment and condemnation as unfortunately so often happens. The, the culture of individual churches, that there's a certain mask, there's a certain uh, sense of you have to put on that, that nice looking face that you're doing well in life just so you can enter the doors of the church and not be looked upon and judged and gossiped, Right? I don't know if that's the particular circumstance of the church of Laodicea. But he's saying, I want you to be a place where the, the hurting is like that, that, that classic line of a hospital for sinners where people who are really struggling, people who are doubting, people who are wandering, that the, the doors of the church should not be the last place that they turn to because they will feel judged and condemned. If you're doing that, ugh, no. You need to be that community of faith where people can come and, and weep and wrestle and question and even be defiant because the grace is rich. You need to allow the real things of the soul that the community is focused in that. And if you're not doing that, you're not hot springs, you're lukewarm. Many of you know I, I'm, very com I'm very passionate about uh, the Alpha course that we've done, and now we're kind of doing an Alpha 2.0, this um, missing Jesus. And, and part of the reason that I'm so passionate about that kind of place where during midweek where people can come and wrestle is because that's where I see so much where, where we have a, a number of weeks and a smaller community unlike a Sunday morning where eventually people feel comfortable enough to get real with the real crap that's in their souls. And if we don't have that place in the church, if we don't have that element as our community where people can say, I don't buy it. I've been praying and I've not been heard. I am doubting. If we don't have that place where they can come and be real and not experience then condemnation, then we are lukewarm. And we gotta turn on the burners. We gotta... We got to fire it up. We got to become that, that community that welcomes the hurting and the struggling. Now, personally, not just as a community, but personally, I want to be a person that people, when they're hurting, when they're struggling, can come to. Now, sometimes being a pastor can be a good thing or a bad thing. And the bad thing is, is they think I'm going to judge them when they come. That's just part of being pastor. Thinking of a, of a neighbor who, he's, he's moved away. Unfortunately, he's no longer my neighbor. But he was a, he was a military guy and he served a couple of tours. He's kind of 
rough, manly kind of guy, and we'd talk about cars and all of that stuff, right? And then he hit a really, really rough spot. And he took a risk. And he approached me. I think I was watering my lawn or something like that. And I could tell he was looking for a place. He didn't have any other place to go to to share about the struggle that he was going through. I was so thankful that he took that risk. And Kendra and I had he and his wife over and so forth. But just to personally to be that hot springs. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want people to experience that, that judgment and condemnation, especially when they're not people of faith. Why would I judge their lives if they're not saying that they're Christians? Rather that, you no, know, but to be that individual and then to be a community that's made up of the individuals. That people in those moments of life can share and wrestle. Now, he didn't just say, you're not hot. Where's your passion? He also said, you're not cold either. What does that mean? Did he have iced coffee in mind when he was thinking about that? Would you think about the other aspect of, if you do spiritualize that, what would it mean if we were both hot springs but also that refreshing, cool water that would, would be a refreshment and a restoration for the spiritually weary. I think of the, the Christians in particular in this. I see these folks that to a certain extent, I see us here especially gathered if you are a follower of Christ, it is very easy to get weary of soul, isn't it? That's not an unchristian thing. That's just a real thing. If you're following Christ in this broken world, if you're trying to live it right, your soul will go up and down and there is a weariness that is set in. What would it look like that we were a community? Not just uh, for the wayward, not just for the, the souls that are seeking and don't know Christ, but also for the weary, for the, those that are coming in and saying, I need to get to church because I need to be filled up. I need to be restored. I need to taste the goodness of God because I am so weary and tired. Friends, if we are not that, then as a community, I don't think we are that cold cup of water. What would it look like to be a community of faith that was like that deep drink of cold water? You know, that is part of our vision. That is part of our longing, especially for Sunday morning. That our, our longing, I wouldn't say that we arri have arrived there yet, 
But our longing really is not to be that, that high-powered, slick church with the fog machines and the incredible. Now, all churches have their role to play in the kingdom of God, right? So I don't want you to hear that, you know, uh, as a condemning word, word. That's just not our calling to be like that. However, I know that Josh has purchased a bunch of skinny jeans, and he's going to start wearing them. Uh, on a Sunday morning. So, no, I'm just kidding. Where is Josh? I miss him, mate. Um, no, but our longing is that we would be a different kind of church where there would be, if you can picture that Grace River, the, the, the streams of living water, which is the Holy Spirit, that we could come and whether we're weary of soul or not, we could drink deeply of the presence of the Lord. Whether it's in worship, did you, did you feel that especially? I could feel you all drinking deeply in worship. Through, through the word, my, my longing is, is that as the word is delivered, you're, you're taking in uh, the word of God. My longing is that sacraments would be that place as well. I was just meeting with a congregational member, a person who's newer to the congregation, and he was talking about the sacraments, and he started to tear up a little bit. He was just sharing what a, a beauty that is to, to take in deeply do you realize the last two weeks have been really, really neat in terms of our community of faith? Two weeks ago, we talked about the sacrament of baptism, but we realized that the sacrament isn't just water, isn't just that one-time thing of salvation, but there's also a baptism of the Spirit, and that can be ongoing, and we can come forward and ask for a fresh infilling of the streams of living water, which is the Holy Spirit. And two weeks ago, I saw so many of you come forward and we're filled with the Spirit in a fresh and new way. Last week we talked about uh, communion and, and we really built up to that, that body and the, the representation of, of the depth of what those little pieces of bread and that little cup of juice represent that is the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ that represents access and intimacy and love and fellowship with God. And then I got to give that out with the elders and the pastors and you know that that's one of my favorite things to do is to see the means of grace the grace of God flowing through the the elements sacramental elements do you know that in in 2018 we're going to try and rotate communion and baptism with water and the Spirit each week so that each Sunday morning we get to drink deeply of God's presence and power in that. It's coming. I haven't cleared it with the elders, so but we're, we're <laughs> in ground track. <laughs> okay.
what would it look like to be that, that cold, refreshing cup of water as a community of faith and as an individual? Can we talk a little bit about the most jarring aspect of scripture? What we, we started with really, Jesus was so disappointed with the Laodicean church that he says, I am about, you are lukewarm, and I am about to spit you out. Isn't that jarring? Isn't that yikes? In fact, it's even a little bit more jarring because the, the, the Greek word that we translate as spit, actually a more literal translation is vomit. He says, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. Now, this always creates the visual image, and I've told this story before, but it's worth retelling because some of you haven't heard it, but it's so good. We had this chili cook-off a number of years ago. Some of you know where I'm going. And our former worship director, Ephraim, he entered in his chili and he just pulled some stuff from the refrigerator and put it in there. I think there was some, like, it was like seafood gumbo chili or something like that. And we were all looking suspiciously at it and Marsha decided to give it a try. And she took it in and right away she's like, hmm? And I thought for sure she was gonna vomit just in that moment. And then she found a corner and she's like, hmm. She was just trying to keep it down, right? Can you imagine Jesus saying that about our faith? That he's like, no, you are not living it well. You're missing this beautiful life. You're missing this kingdom call. You are lukewarm. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he doesn't throw out a challenging word just for condemnation purposes. It's always for invitational purposes. And he gives this incredible invitation to you and I. And look what he says. He uses the word counsel, which I love. And he says um, that he will give us counsel and he's gonna invite us into um, that we would purchase, you could call them divine gifts. He says this, I counsel you, verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve or ointment to put on your eyes so that you can see. These are divine gifts. And again, he's using, using the culture or the, the context of this church, Laodicea, um, to um, help them understand what he's saying. The, this church, or I should say this city was known for three things. Um, it, it was a wealthy place of a banking center. Rome knew this as a banking, banking center, so they had all this wealth that was inter interchanged in the city. Also, Laodicea was known as um, the clothing that they produced. 
In fact, it was locally grown. There was silky black wool of sheep and they would use that for fine clothes. And they were also known as a medical school, a medical center. And one of the things that they were known for was eye ointment that, that people would receive and they would put it for healing purposes on their eyes. And you can see Jesus saying, you think you're doing well as a city for these three things. He said, no, you need to get the good stuff, the divine stuff, the sacred stuff. Would you, uh, this is my counsel to you. You're lukewarm. Would you buy from me these divine gifts? What are these divine gifts? Real quickly, one is gold refined in the fire. What does Jesus mean? He's saying, buy from me divine gold. Earlier, Jesus tells a parable in Luke, and he talks about the rich fool. And he, he says this, the rich fool has a good crop and he's got all this wealth. And what does he do with his worldly wealth? He decides that he'll build, it's, he's out, he has too much for the barns and storage. He'll build bigger barns, put all of it in storage, and then he'll le- live the good life. The good life. And he'll take it easy, he'll be lazy. And Jesus says, and then he dies that very night. And God the Father will say, you fool, you missed it. Now you will receive the eternal life that you have prepared for yourself. Remember that word prepared. He says, Luke 12, 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. That is not rich toward God. Yes, rich in terms of worldly wealth, that's not wrong in and of itself. But if you neglect being rich towards God, then you are lukewarm. You're missing it. What's it mean to be rich towards God? Look at one of, for many people, it's their favorite verse in all of scripture, especially the book of Revelation Verse 20, Revelation 3, 3, verse 20. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone, doesn't matter who you are, rich or poor, doesn't matter your skin color, doesn't matter your bank account, it doesn't matter your intelligence, It doesn't matter who you are. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. There's a famous painting of that particular scripture by Holman Hunt. We we have that painting. It's a little bit hard to see but it was about Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And many people think about this as an invitation to salvation, which I think is okay. Yes, Jesus is knocking. If you've not received Christ as your Lord and Savior, he indeed is knocking. He wants 
you to receive him. But it's interesting he tells this, this picture to Christians, doesn't he? Christians who are lukewarm. And he's saying to them, listen, I long to make you the wealthiest person on the face of this earth. Do you know what true wealth looks like? Do you know what the incredible gift of the kingdom looks like? That is that you get to have fellowship with the creator, the sustainer, and the ruler of all creation. That you get to sup, you get to sit down, you get to talk with, you get a personal relationship. The creator of the universe wants to know you and you know him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can be that wealthiest person. You can hit the jackpot because of what Christ has done on the cross. And Jesus is saying, I am waiting. I'm knocking at the door for you to become wealthy. As the story goes with Holman Hunt, there was an admirer looking at this painting and he said, you know, I think you missed one thing. There's no handle on the door. And Holman Hunt said, actually, there is a handle. It's on the other side. And each of us, he's waiting for us to open the door. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is a gentleman. He does not kick down the door. He invites you to open the door, to pull the handle from the inside. Many of you have finished Immerse Messiah. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to don't stop reading scripture. Don't stop praying. Don't stop carving out in your life time with the Lord. That's the richness. That's the gold. That's what he's inviting us into, that fellowship and communion with him. I have a confession to make. I skip some days, right? I got, uh, so don't tell my, my small group leader, Scott, I think he's here, but I'm going to go back because I'd like to say I've read the entire New Testament. I'm going to go back and I'm going to slow read but I would encourage you to slow, begin to slow read and allow the Lord to speak into you. That's how we open the door. That's how we invite him in. As we, I get this picture of the church of Laodicea, that they were a wealthy, maybe middle to upper class in their cultural, and they were going after the worldly gold, right? They were busy. How many of us work too much? How many of us are going after, right? It's not bad to work hard. I think we're called to work hard. But when we work so hard that we don't have space for the true wealth in this world, we've got issues, we're lukewarm. Create, buy from him gold refined in the fire.
Secondly, he talks about white clothes. He says, uh, uh, in second, put on white clothes. What does he mean there? Yes, he's playing off that they were a clothing manufacturer within Rome. But what does he mean? Do you know that in the book of Revelation, we are told that there's another divine gift. He tells us exactly what white clothes, these linen of righteousness, is. It's, it's much later in the book. It's in the midst of worship in the throne room of God. And it says this, Revelation 19, 7 and 8. He says, let us rejoice and be glad and give God glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. The fine linen stands for What? The righteous acts of the saints. Here's the divine gift from the Lord that he's telling you, you get to prepare a retirement for yourself after you die. Right? I've got two retirement plans. Well, pastors, we're told, never get to retire. But pretend I have a retirement after I stop active ministry right? But then there's a retirement plan after I die. And he said, this is how you make, here's the divine gift. Jesus, who is from heaven, is telling us a principle about heaven. He's teaching us how we can um, invest in our lives for eternity. Would you think about it like this, that we have storage units on earth and in heaven, right? We have storage units right across the way from our pro property. And we can, when we get extra stuff, we can put stuff in that storage unit. Some of you have storage units, right? Jesus says, do you know that you can store up things in heaven? And do you know how you do that? You don't buy that extra car and put it in that storage. Do you know how you do that? You give. You serve. You sacrifice. You love. As you do that, you are creating the clothes that you will wear for eternity. You're investing in that way. Whatever that looks like, the, the, um, uh, whether it's the Christmas boxes or the women of grace and the ornaments, whether it's the tithes and offerings to this church or the ministry, the compassion children that you support, the, the city serve that we got to do, uh, whatever that is, as we give, as we serve, as we get our hands dirty, so we're creating our clothes for eternity. He says, be rich in that don't get to heaven like the rich fool. Go back to that parable now where he said, you've prepared the life I have for you for eternity and you missed the opportunity. All you did was build barns and throw that storage in there and you missed it. You're not rich. He says, you get to give now. It's a divine gift that we would have this knowledge. And this final thing, the final divine gift is this. 
He says, cover your eyes with salve, with, with, with ointment, of course, playing off the city and the medical center school there. The irony is that their, their eye ointment was known throughout the Roman world, and yet he was saying, you are spiritually blind. You don't understand. You don't see. Jesus talked about his ministry. For judgment, I have come into the world so that the blind will see, and those who will see will become blind. He said, when you put my ointment on your eyes, then you'll begin to understand real life, true life, who God is, who you are, and this beautiful life that he's invited you to. And the worship team come up. I was thinking about the invitation of our response. And I did want us to have the opportunity of being anointed with oil. Don't want to anoint your eyes. That would be awkward. But, but in a symbolic way, what are the things of the world that we've been exchanging for the divine gifts. What's the, what's the real stuff, the real gold, the real linen, the, the real ointment that we've, no, 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 I, I've got, yeah, I have been so focused. I've been pursuing all these things. If Jesus tasted my spiritual life, my spiritual vitality, if he tasted my faith, you'd be like, oh, no, you're, you're missing it. You know, I was praying, and I, I thought for sure I would connect with the refill coffee. In a funny sense, I, I, I connected with the Starbucks iced coffee. And yet I felt like the Lord was saying, Eric, you need to add some ice cubes. You're, you're leaning, you're, you're moving, you're, you're trending towards the lukewarm and that's not good I want you to to add some of those ice cubes because I want you to be that that cold cup of water for the people in your life I want the church of Springs Community Church to be that cold cup of water and that hot springs how can we pray for you? How can we invite the fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit for you? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we trust you. Whatever word that you wanted to share, we, we trust that you're speaking to us individually and corporately.
Lord, we long to be your people. We long to hear your words, well done. You're, you're doing it right, good and faithful servant. Would you teach us to be a community of faith that gives you honor, that gives you praise? Would you teach us to be a people who love you and love others well? Amen.